Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. So now we start chapter four of Mackey's Revised History of Freemasonry. And le- chapter four is called The Legend of the Craft. And this is written in Old English. So uh, there's a lot of footnotes, and I'm going to try not to interrupt the flow too much, but I want to give you the footnotes as well so you kind of know what some of the words mean. The might of the Father of Kings, with the wisdom of his glorious Son, through the grace of the goodness of the Holy Ghost, there bend three persons in one Godhead. Be with us at our beginning, and give us grace so to govern us here in this mortal life living, that we may come to his kingdom that never shall have ending. Amen. So the first footnote starts for the first paragraph, and in the section that says, The Might of the Father of the Kings, it says, In the Lansdowne and many other manuscripts, the formula is the Father of Heavens, or of Heaven. So back to the reading. Good brethren and fellows, our purpose is to tell you how and in what manner this worthy science of masonry was begun, and afterwards how it was favored by worthy kings and princes, and by many other worshipful men. And also to those that be willing, we will declare the charge that belongeth to any true mason to keep for in good faith. And ye have good heed thereto, it is well worthy to be well kept for a worthy craft and a curious science. And the footnote for this paragraph is on the word worshipful. And the footnote is, Worship is today a word meaning homage to the deity, but formerly it was generally applied as denoting anyone worthy of honor. Next paragraph. For there be seven liberal sciences, of the which seven it is one of them. And the names of the seven sciences bend these. First is grammar, and it teacheth man to speak truly and write truly. And the second is rhetoric, and teacheth a man to speak fair in subtle terms. And the third is dialectic, and teacheth a man for to discern or know truth from false. And the fourth is arithmetic, and that teacheth a man for to reckon and to accompt all manner of numbers. And the fifth is called geometry, and that teacheth met and measure of earth and all other things, of which the which science is called masonry. And the sixth science is called music, and that teacheth a man of song and voice, of tongue and organ, harp and trump. And the seventh science is called astronomy, and that teacheth a man the course of the sun, moon, and stars. These be the seven liberal sciences, the which been all founded by one science, that is to say, geometry. And this may a man prove, that the science of the work is founded by geometry, for geometry teacheth a man met and measure, ponderation and weight, of all manner of things on earth. For there is no man that worketh any science, but he worketh by some met or measure, No or no man that buyeth or selleth, but he buyeth or selleth by some measure or by some weight, and all of these is geometry. And these use merchants and all craftsmen and all of the other seven sciences, and in especial the plowmen and tillers of all manner of grounds, grains, vines, flowers, and setters of other fruits. For grammar or rhetoric, neither astronomy nor none of all the other seven sciences, can no manner find met nor measure without geometry." Wherefore, methinketh that the science of geometry is most worthy, and that findeth all other. 
So there's two footnotes on that paragraph. Uh, the first one is on the word met or meet, M-E-T-T, M-E-T-T, a word meaning boundary or landmark, and is still used in the expression meets and bounds. And the next one is on findeth all other, used in its early Anglo-Saxon meaning of to invent or to, to devise, geometry invented or devised all the other sciences, findeth meaning to found or lay the foundation. How that these worthy sciences were first begun, I shall you tell. Before Noah's flood, there was a man called Lamech, as it is written in the Bible, in the, and I'm not sure what chapter this is, it's I-I-I-J-T-H, the, not sure, chapter of Genesis. And this Lamech had two wives, and the one hate Ada, and that other hate Selah. By his first wife Ada, he got two sons, and that one Jabal, and t'other Dubal. And by that other wife, Selah, he got a son and daughter. And these four children found in the beginning of all sciences in the world. And this elder son, Jabel, found the science of geometry. And he departed flocks of sheep and lambs in the field, and first wrought house of stone and tree, as is noted in the chapter above said. And then there's a footnote there that says, Hate, H-E-I-G-H-T, is an old English word meaning named. And then when it talks about Jabel founding... Science of geometry, departing with flocks of sheep and rotting house of stone and tree. It says an instance of the inaccuracy of these old records and historical details. So far from Jabel being the first who wrought house of stone and tree, he was the founder of the wanderer's life, in which such fixed buildings are never used. He invented tents, made most probably of skins, to be the movable homes of a shepherd people, led by the pressure of a want of food to remove their flocks from time to time to new fields. And back to the paragraph. And his brother Tubal found the science of music, song of tongue, harp, and organ. And the third brother, Tubal Cain, found smithcraft of gold, silver, copper, iron, and steel. And the daughter found the craft of weaving. And these children knew well that God would take vengeance for sin, either by fire or by water. Wherefore the writ their science that they had found in two pillars of stone, that they might be found after Noah's flood. And that one stone was marble, for that would not burn with fire, and that the other stone was clept laterns and would not drown in no water. So clept laterns, so clept is an Anglo-Saxon word for called, and laterns, this word is a corruption of the Latin later, a brick or tile. Our intent is to tell you truly how and in what manner these stones were found that these sciences were written in. The great Hermarines, that was Cubis' son, the which Cub was Sem's son, that was Noy's son. This Hermarines afterwards was called Harmes, the father of wise men. He found one of the two pillars of stone, and found the science written there, and he taught it to other men. And at the making of the Tower of Babylon, there was masonry first made much of. And the king of Babylon that hate Nemroth was a mason himself, and loved well the science, and it is said with masters of histories. And when the city of Nineveh and other cities of the east should be made, Nemroth, the king of Babylon, sent thither threescore masons at the rogation of the king of Nineveh, his cousin. And when he sent them forth, he gave them a charge on this matter, that they should be true, each of them to other, and that they should love truly together, and that they should serve their lord truly for their pay, so that the master may have worship and all that long to him. And other mo charges he gave them. And this was the first time that ever masons had any charge of his science. So the footnote for that paragraph is Nemroth, the king, is Nimrod. 
Moreover, when Abraham and Sarah his wife went into Egypt, there he taught the seven sciences to the Egyptians, and he had a worthy scholar that hate Euclid. And he learned right well and was a master of all the seven sciences, liberal. And in his days it befell that the Lord and the estates of the realm had so many sons that they had gotten, some by their wives and some by other ladies of the realm. For that land is a hot land and a plenteous of generation. And they had not competent live load to find with their children. Wherefore they made much care. And then the king of the land made a great council and a parliament, to wits how they might find their children honestly as gentlemen. And they could find no manner of good way. And then they did cry through all the realm, and there were any man that informed them that he should come to them, and he should be so rewarded for his travail that he should hold them pleased. So the footnote for that section talks about Euclid. And Brother Matthew Cook, in his notes to the manuscript, which he was the first to publish, and which thence bears his name, protests against being held responsible for this as history, which makes Abraham and Euclid at the same time, one a teacher of the other. It should the rather be read as a parable, and that this legend of Euclid is merely a symbol. After that this cry was made, then came this worldly clerk, Euclid, and said to the king and all his great lords, If ye will take me your children to govern, and to teach them one of the seven sciences, wherewith they may live honestly as gentlemen should, under condition that ye will grant me and them a commission that I may have power to rule them after the manner that the science ought to be ruled, and that the king and all his council granted to him a nun, and sealed their commission. And then this worthy doctor took to him these lords' sons, and taught them the science of geometry and practice, for to work in stones all manner of worthy work that belongeth to building churches, temples, castles, towers, and manors, and all other manner of buildings, and he gave them a charge in this manner. The first was that they should be true to the king and to the lord that they owe and that they should love well together and be true each one to other, and that they should call each other his fellow or else brother, and not by servant nor his knave, nor none other foul name, and that they should deserve their pie of the Lord or of the master that they serve, and that they should ordain the wisest of them to be master of the work, and neither for love nor great lineage, ni riches, ni for no favor, to let another that hath little coming, for to be master of the Lord's work." Where though the Lord shall be evil served and they ashamed, and also that they should call their governors of work master, and the time that they work with him, and other many mo things that long to tell, and to all these charges he made them to swear a great oath that men used in that time, and ordained them for reasonable wages that they might live honestly by, and also that they should come and assemble together every year once how they might work best to serve the Lord for his profit and to their own worship and to correct within themselves him that had trespassed against the science. And thus was the science grounded there, and that worthy Mr. Euclid gave it the name of geometry, and now it is called throughout the land masonry. So a couple of footnotes here. One is where it says, And the king and all his council granted to him a nun. It means at once. And then where it says to the master of the work, and neither for love nor great lineage, ni riches, ni for no favor. It means nor. And the last one is ha another that hath little conning for to be master. Conning means nor. And then the last footnote here, master in that paragraph can also be read as mister. 
Scythen long after, when the children of Israel were coming into the land of Behest, that is now called amongst us the country of Jerum, King David began the temple that they call Templin Denai, and it is named with us the Temple of Jerusalem. And the same King David loved masons well, and cherished them much, and gave them good pie. And he gave the charges and the manners as he had learned of Egypt, given by Euclid, and other charges, mo, that ye shall hear afterwards. And after the decease of King David, Solomon, that was David's son, performed out the temple that his father begun, and sent after masons into diverse countries and diverse lands, and gathered them together, so that he had four thousand score workers of stone, and they were all named masons. And he chose out of them three thousand that were ordained to be masters and governors of his work. And furthermore, there was a king of another region that men called Iram, and he loved well King Solomon, and he gave him timber to his work. And he had a son that hate Anan, and there was a master of geometry, and was chief master of all his masons, and was master of all his gravings and carving, and of all manner of masonry that longed to the temple. And this is witnessed by the Bible in Libro Regum, the third chapter. And this Solomon confirmed both charges and the manners that his father had given to masons. And thus was that worthy science of masonry confirmed in the country of Jerusalem and in many other kingdoms. So we have a few footnotes here to talk to. Scythen long after means since then long after or long after that time. Uh, in the land of behest or behest is the land of promised or the promised land. Behest promisio says the promptorum parvalorum. The fourth note is, and furthermore, there was a king of another region that men called Iram. It is scarcely necessary to explain that this is meant for Hiram. Uh, the next one, and he had a son that hate Anan. The true origin and meaning of this name, for which some of the modern speculative masons have substituted Hiram Abiff and others at an Iram, will be discussed later. The in libro regim, as talked about in the Bible, is referring to the book of kings in the Bible. Curious craftsmen walked about full wide into diverse countries, some because of learning more craft and cunning, and some to teach them that had but little cunning. And so it befell that there was one curious mason that hate Mamus Gracchus, that had been the, at the making of Solomon's temple, and he came into France, and there he taught the science of masonry to men of France. And there was one of the regal line of France that hate Charles Martel, and he was a man that loved well such a science, and drew to this Mamus Grecus that is above said, and learned of him the science, and took upon him the charges and manners. And afterwards, by the grace of God, he was elect to be king of France. And when he was in his estate, he took masons, and did help to make men masons that were none, and set them to work, and gave them both the charge and the manners and good pie, as he had learned of another masons and confirmed them a charter from year to year, to hold their symbol when they would, and cherish them right much, and thus came this science into France. So the footnotes start with that hate Mamus Grecus. This name has long been a troublesome puzzle. We shall give the later results of a study. We shall refer to it in a following page. The next one is the name Charles Martel. The mention of this king in the legend will lead us later onto an inquiry into an interesting period of French Masonic history. England, in all this season, stood void, as for any charge of masonry unto St. Alban's time, and in his days the king of England, that was a pagan, he did wall the town about that it was called St. Albones. And St. Albones was a worthy knight, and steward with the king of his household, and had governance of the realm, and also of the making of the town walls. 
and loved well masons and cherished them much, and he made their pie right good, standing as the realm did, for he gave them, now I'm not sure what it's saying here, it's ij.s. vj.d a week, and iij.d to their non-cinches. And before that time, through all this land, a mason took but a penny a day and his meat till St. Albones amended it, and gave them a charter of the king and his council for to hold the general council, and gave it the name of assemble, and thereat he was himself, and helped to make masons and gave them charges, as you shall hear afterward. So the footnotes for this paragraph talk about St. Albans' time. St. Alban, the first martyr of England, of his connection with the legend. More hereafter. And then the non-cinches, a corruption of the old English word noonshun, from which comes our modern luncheon. It meant the refreshment taken at noon when laborers desist from work to shun the heat. It may here mean subsistence in general. St. Alban gave his masons two shillings and sixpence a week and threepence for their daily food. Right soon after the decease of St. Alban, there came diverse wars into the realm of England of diverse nations, so that the good rule of masonry was destroyed unto the time of King Athelstone's days, that was a worthy king of England, and brought this land into good rest and peace, and builded many great works of abbeys and towers, and other many diverse buildings, and loved well masons. And he had a son that hate Edwin, and he loved masons much more than his father did. And he was a great practiser in geometry, and he drew him much to talk and to commune with masons, and to learn of them science, and afterwards, for love that he had to masons, and to the science, he was made a mason. And he gat of the king his father, a chartour and commission, to hold every year once an assemble, where that ever they could, within the realm of England, and to correct within themselves defaults and trespasses that were done within the science. And he held himself in assemble at York, and these he made masons, and gave them charges, and taught them the manners, and commanded that rule to be kept ever after, and took then the charter and commission to keep, and made ordinance that it should be renewed from king to king. And it says, this part of the legend which refers to Prince Edwin and the assembly at York is so important that it demands and will receive a further examination. And when the assembly was gathered, he made a cry that all old masons and young that had any writing or understanding of the charges and the manners that were made before in this land or in any other, that they should show them forth. And when it was proved that they were found in some in French and some in Greek and some in English and some in other languages, and the intent of them all was found in all one. And he did make a book thereof, and how the science was founded. And he himself bade and commanded that it should be read or told, when that any mason should be made for to give him his charge. And from that day into this time, manners of masons have been kept in that form, as well as men might govern it. And furthermore, diverse assemblies have been put and ordained certain charges by the best advice of masters and fellows. So that ends the charges as they're written, the ancient charges. So the final paragraph is not in Old English, a little easier to understand. Then follow the charges that are thus said to have been enacted at York and at other general assemblies, but which properly constitute no part of the legend, at least no part connected with the legendary details of the rise and progress of the institution. The legend ends with the account of the holding of an assembly at York and other later ones for the purpose of making laws for the government of the order. I know that was a little rough. I had a hard time with it. Uh, hope that didn't throw too many people off, but that was Chapter 4 of Mackey's Revised History of Freemasonry. Join us next time around for Chapter 5.
Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.